Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and it's time for some more feel-good habits. And boy, oh boy, do I have a guest for you. It's Marcia Kilgore. What a woman to be marvelled at. She opened Bliss Bar back in the 90s, and I have to say, I've had some of the best treatments of my life in a Bliss Spa, if I can say my L's. In 2006, she launched Soap and Glory, which I'm sure many of you will use and love, the affordable range of bath, body, and cosmetics products. There's Fit Flop, which is those biomechanically engineered shoes, which I know so many people are huge, huge fans of. And then there was Sopa Duper, which was the naturally derived vegan and cruelty-free bath and body products, which were produced in recycled and recyclable plastic packaging. And as if that wasn't enough, back in 2016, Marcia launched Beauty Pie, which is the which is the direct-to-consumer membership-based luxury beauty product online brand by Jiminy. I mean, she doesn't, she really does know how to stay busy, doesn't she? So it felt like the perfect fit for Marcia to come on the show. Someone who is constantly working, has so many projects on the go, and I'm sure things that even we don't know about, aside from her huge, huge brands and companies, that I thought it'd be wonderful to really find how a self-motivated entrepreneur like Marcia gets herself out of a funk Uh, gets herself out of a bad mood and makes sure that every day is as productive as it can be and honestly when I spoke to Marcia she really did not disappoint she is just good energy good vibes and you can just feel even being on a video call with her you can just feel the energy coming through the screen and you feel like you want to bounce around the room and make stuff happen that's just who she is and it was such a delight to chat to her so I really hope that you enjoy this because honestly it's unmissable this is Marcia Kilgore sharing her feel-good habits on the Emma Gunn Show. This is so honestly delightful to be on video call with Marcia Kilgore, entrepreneur, an all-round amazing woman. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Emma. I am loving it already. <laughs> I know. We've had some technical glitches, but we're going to get there. It's going to be absolutely fine. It's like a parking spot, right? If you will yourself a parking spot, the parking spot will appear. And if you think you can get through your technical difficulties yourself, you can. I love this attitude, which is why you're a perfect person to have on Feel Good Habits. Because clearly, when there is a bump in the road, you just step over it nicely. Well, you have to believe it's a bump. <laughs> For, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, necessarily exactly. see them, nor do I believe that they're there. It's sort of whether or not you want to acknowledge it as a bump or a mountain, right? And It's yeah. true. It's I true. watched a great little video clip yesterday from, I'm um, trying to remember, 
where it came from, but it was someone just talking about how you should always work with people who are smarter than you, or always look to hire people who are smarter than you, and how many people don't do this. But in fact, when you surround yourself by people who are smarter than you are, then you have to raise your game. And many people would perhaps look at that as a threat, but actually you can look at it as such an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So everything becomes how you look at it. Totally, and that, that feeds into... <laughs> That feeds into one of my favorite sayings or one of my favorite rules, which is you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Oh, yes. Oh, well, that's not good right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just me. My family. (laughs) Um, But you have some excellent feel-good habits, which you very generously said that you will be sharing with us. So, my friend... What, uh, where are we going to start? Was this, what's your first feel good? You know, when I'm, when I'm exhausted or I feel run down, which doesn't happen to me that often, but it does from time to time, I usually know that I've got a toolkit that I go to and, and there are three things that I will do. First is just drink water. And it's really interesting that so many of us don't realize that we drink a lot of coffee, you drink a lot of tea, but you don't always go to drink water. And water is responsible for every process in your, <laughs> as she sips water, <laughs> for every process in your body and also for making all the vitamins and minerals that you eat work. So if you haven't had enough water, you will just be tired. And, you know, very often you can go through a whole day without drinking any water at all. You might have tea or, you know, something else and you just actually aren't flushing your body out and giving it the ability to function optimally. So the first thing I do now is to grab a bottle of water and actually I'll put magnesium tablets in it because magnesium is so important for helping the neurons in your brain connect together. And it's also really good for relieving stress. So I'll throw a couple of magnesium tablets in it. And then I also have vitamin C and zinc in there just to kind of, you know, get it all, it's keeping your engine running. And I'll drink, you know, two liters of water and see if within 45 minutes that helps. Normally it does the trick. And many of us don't know that the big problem with being tired is actually being dehydrated. It's so interesting. I've spoken to on this podcast, dermatologists, life coaches, psychiatrists, uh, brain surgeons, and consistent advice from all of them is drink water. It's just, you know, one of those habits that I guess we get out of because we're rushing. You know, you don't think about it, but we are made up of. So what is your body? What percentage? Are you quite good at, do you think you're quite good at identifying when you need, okay, that's your first habit. I'm sure there are some others that are a little bit more intense than water, but are you quite good at, are you in tune with yourself? And can you go, you know what? I need something right now because I'm not performing optimally. Absolutely. You know yourself, right? You know, if you're kind of, I'm usually operating on a very high level in terms of my energy. I'm not a tired person. And that probably drives a lot of my, you know, close friends and family crazy especially now, but, <laughs> but I can tell if I come in, you know, to the office or I, if I end up at some type of event and I'm just not feeling top speed in, in seconds. And it's not usually related to sleep. I can usually get by on, you know, enough sleep or you know, not that much, at least for a day. But if I'm, if I'm um, not mentally able to get around feeling exhausted, then I know it's not a thought kind of uh, blockage. It's it's more of a physical blockage. 
So in that scenario, if you were on a busy work day, like the last time we saw each other was your big launch for Beauty Pie at Harvey Nichols. If you woke up that morning and you thought, I'm not feeling it, would you take yourself off or would you fake it till you make it? What does take yourself off mean? Would you take yourself off for five minutes, have a quiet moment, just go, do you know what? I just need to give myself a pep talk or would you fake it till you make it? That's a really interesting question. I think oh, I'm so trained at trying to turn around how I feel and, and how I'm thinking. So if I have an important event and I have to do it, I will use all the, again, all those tools in the kit. If it's just a tiredness thing, it's water. Then if it's a, I can't cope with this thing, then I'll question that thought, right? So there's a fantastic woman named um, Myron Katie. Have you ever heard of her? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just you, you don't have to study everything that she does or, or be an expert at her method, but just questioning whether or not the thought that you're having is correct. Um, and, and this, I think, goes into my second habit, which is connecting. Sometimes you feel tired or you feel fearful uh, because you're not connected. Right. And I honestly believe that humans are kind of like batteries. Sometimes we need to go off and kind of, you know, recharge. So we're rechargeable batteries. And sometimes you need to just go sleep or rest or whatever it is. Sometimes the, um, the solution is actually to go plug into another battery. And so that's what gets your energy flowing. And if rest hasn't done it for you, or if you're having a thought that maybe isn't helpful, and I always say there are two kinds of thoughts, right? Helpful or not helpful. So if you're having... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's true. It's like, well, you can you can think about the same thing in two different ways, in a helpful way mm. or in a not helpful way. And that's your choice, right? But remembering that if you're feeling maybe anxious about something, it's just an unhelpful thought and maybe you need to do something differently. And very often I find that if I just connect with other people and, you know, you go and you reach out or you meet somebody, suddenly it lifts your energy so much. And it's because you've got somebody else's energy to lift you up and to feel connected. And that's a really easy way, reaching out, Zooming somebody, um, calling someone, or just going and, and getting into a different mode where you don't necessarily feel like that problem or the thing that was maybe reducing your energy is still there because it's not true anymore. Okay. I'm really interested. Sorry. In, I'm really interested in what you said about unhelpful and helpful thoughts. And because I think that's a really brilliant way of distinguishing them. And also because it, it, it makes it really easy when you feel like you're having a bad day or you're in a negative headspace for you to be able to say, actually, maybe I'm just being really unhelpful. Now I need to be helpful. Did where did you learn that from? Or was that was that a business thing? Or is that just something you learned as a kid? You know, what? I think I read it somewhere. I read as much as I possibly can, because I also find that reading gives you so many ideas and ideas whenever you're stuck are just hope, right? Mm -hmm. So when you you are stuck, and you can find just a little point of light, it's almost like the guidance out of that stuck place. And when you're frustrated, mm -hmm. and in that place where you don't have enough light, really, it's knowledge that will take you out of there. So I tend to read, you know, anything I can, whether or not I'm that interested in it, because you always find little snippets of inspiration in there. And someone just said, you know, very simply, and it's true, I guess there could be a neutral thought. But mm -hmm. if you're having a, a thought, and it's not helpful, you could say, well, this thought isn't helpful. So let me have a, you know, have a different thought. Um, I have a great example of this. So we have 
a finance director at one point who was kind of, you know, not the most positive person. And sometimes finance directors, you know, they can be, you want them to be kind of strict and frugal. And that's what a good finance director is. And we were trying to, I think we were trying to sell some product to a retailer. And I said, hey, could you make this call to this retailer? Because I'm really swamped and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he um, had emailed the retailer and not heard back. And I I think I had emailed him and I said, so, so-and-so, I won't say his name just in case he's listening. I said, did you email the retailer? And he said, yes, but I haven't heard back from them. So they're not, you know, they're not interested. <laughs> I actually laughed and I said, that's so funny because if I emailed that person and I've trained myself to do this and they didn't email me back, I would say, oh, they must be on holiday. <laughs> And it's different. He comes up with, you know, I didn't get an email back, so they're not interested and automatically assumes this unhelpful thing. And I would think, oh, they must be on holiday. They didn't get time to get back to me. And interestingly, a couple of days later, they emailed back. So you can either stress yourself out and give up and say, oh, it's negative. Or you can think, oh, there must be a reason for this. And it is brain training to have like switch yourself immediately into the positive thoughts but you can do it. Everybody can do it. It's just a choice. Yeah, I believe in that. I believe it's a choice of how you interpret a situation. Yeah. But that's that's a really good one because I think we all feel like I messaged that person, particularly on DMs, and they've seen the message and they haven't replied. You think, oh, they read it and I said something wrong. Oh. It'd be something, something else going on. Yeah, I'm sure everybody does that too because we work so quickly. So you're always just sending, you know, quick texts and then you think, oh, was that too informal? Was it too formal? Was there some word that uh, normally nobody even notices, right? We're processing at such speed right now. And I, I think if everybody just used the helpful thought of, oh, they, you know, they read it, but they haven't had time to get back to me or they read it and they accidentally deleted it. Because how many times do you just delete something? And yeah. Yeah. six months later, you think, oh my God, I seem to remember a text message from that person or a DM, and then you reach out. It actually just happened to me about an hour ago that I remember <laughs> two weeks ago, and it's gone down, right? And I, and yeah. I had to respond, and I responded back today. But for this whole time, she might have been thinking, oh, they're not interested. I hope not. I hope she thought I was just busy. That's really interesting, actually, about inboxes, because we all get so inundated, whether it's with emails or texts or WhatsApps or DMs or whatever it might be. Have you figured out a good way? I mean, you're an incredible entrepreneur, so you must get lots of emails about many, many aspects of your businesses. But is there, have you found a strategy, a feel-good strategy for managing communications that means that you can go to sleep and not worry about your inbox? A feel-good strategy? I have a strategy. And that comes from another book, which is called Getting Things Done. I think okay. the author is David Allen, if I remember. And I used to read it every January because it's just one of those things that resets you to remember what your priorities are and how to take care of them and how to get as far as possible, how to manage yourself, right, um, to get as much done as possible. And he said, and I may not remember them all, but he said there were four things or three things that you do with any email or any message. You either deal with it, and so if it takes you less than two sec or two minutes, you deal with it right then and there, which means you answer it, you respond, 
you know, whatever it is, if it can be done in two minutes, because then you never have to think about it again. And you'll actually spend more time thinking about responding to a message or an email than, than doing it. So under two minutes, mm. you deal with it. You can delegate it. You can discard it. There were the four Ds, now I'm remembering. Or you can your diary, right? So if it's something that's going to take you an hour, you actually schedule time for it, and then you follow your diary. And you should never touch an email or a piece of paper more than once. I am not good at this yet. And <laughs> he also said you should only have one list. And that is impossible now, right? Because you've got messages coming in by email, Slack, DMs on all these different channels, your text messaging, WhatsApp. That, I think, is not productive for all of us because there are just so many places that we have to check. But the one list and then only only doing things once or touching a message once, I think, is a productivity builder. That's a great productivity builder. That's a great feel-good strategy for your inbox. I really enjoy That's that. Fun. Okay. Right is- today. <laughs> <laughs> what's your next feel good habit um well yoga yoga so um, so first one's water right second one is connecting and the third one is yoga and i again i'm a huge believer that your body and your mind are connected and they are kind of one thing i don't think you can necessarily separate them and i believe that your body and your muscles have memory you know, they all talk about muscle memory. So if you used to work out, you can get it back. But I actually believe that they're so connected together that if you're, um, if you're tight somewhere, you know, if you've got a, a pain in your back or how much it changes your mood, right? So yeah. think about that on a micro level, if your muscles are too tight or if you have an imbalance, how much that can change how you operate, how you think, what your mood is like, what your energy is like, and how important it is to stretch out so that you can release some of those memories and release some of those moods so that, again, that energy is flowing and your energy is optimized. And I can't tell you how much better I'll feel. Even if I spend five, 10 minutes just doing a few stretches, you can come out of it and think, oh my God, you can see things in a completely different light just from releasing those memories from, you know, the pent up muscles and the, the tight areas of your body. So I really think everybody should be doing, you know, even five, 10 minutes of stretching every day really makes a huge difference. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you've actually trained as a personal trainer, right? I was probably one of the first personal trainers in the world. <laughs> like back in 1989, I was a bodybuilder when I was a teenager, right? Because there was... What? Yeah, there was nothing else to do. In Canada, I lived in a, a small, cold city in the middle of Saskatchewan. And there really wasn't much to do when I was 16, 17, 18. So my sister was dating a guy whose brother owned a bodybuilding gym. And he convinced me that I should go, you know, work out. And so I did. They gave me the free membership. And so I, I really got into it because it was a big challenge and really there was you know not much else to keep me busy. And uh, so I was a competitive bodybuilder when I was a teenager. So I know. So, yeah, so then you went on to train, but now that's got me down a different uh, line of questioning because I'm really curious. That must, I mean, that is, I've, I've read Arnold Schwarzenegger's book because I'm a big Arnie fan. 
And he talks about the fact that when he was growing up in Austria and he had nothing to do and he had no money, but what he could do is he could go to the gym and he could focus on a muscle and train it. Yeah. And he looked at himself like carving marble and he was like, yeah, my biceps are big, which means I need to make, but my deltoids now look a bit small. So I now need to focus on those. And he would come up with exercises to actually carve himself this incredible physique. Did you get a real understanding of the dip, of your mind and your body? Because I think it's a real mental task to build muscle. I think, you know, it's, it could be an outlet as well, right? So I guess if you are really concerned about the visual of it, um, certainly it's it's that mental task of focusing on that muscle, as you said. For me, I think it was just an outlet of a challenge, something to do that was maybe more difficult because I needed a challenge at the time. Um, my father had died when, when I was about 11. So there's also, I think, some frustration and and some self-control that comes back to you when you're working on your body and your strength and having exercise. And I used to be also a long distance runner. So having exercise as an outlet, I think is also very helpful just for your sanity when you're adjusting in a situation. And they show that uh, people who walk, for instance, and especially in forests, uh, will just from breathing in the, the flora, right, relieve a lot of stress and how good that is for the mind and the body and the neurons to connect in new ways, right? So Steve Jobs, for instance, used to go walking for all of his meetings. Did you know that one? He would call- I think I've heard. Yeah, he'd call people to his house and say, okay, we'll just go for a walk. And instead of sitting you know, at a desk or sitting across a desk from someone, he would, go for a walk with them. And I always find that I get so many new ideas when I'm walking it. And they've, they've shown that you learn more and your brain connects new thoughts together when your body's moving. So another thing, you know, you can do yoga, but you can also just go for a walk and that may solve your problem for you or make you look at something in a new way. Mm, I'm, have you ever seen The First Wives Club with Goldie Hawn, Bette Midler and Diane A Keaton? long time ago. There is a scene where Goldie Hawn is on a treadmill and she has an amazing idea and she says, I have my best ideas when I'm working out. And every time I'm like doing exercise or I'm out for a walk and I think of something, I always think of that scene because it's so true. It fires up your brain in a way that if you're just sitting at a desk, I don't think it's the same kind of activity in your synapses no absolutely not and again those new ideas are hope right and then hope is energy and if you think oh this is a new idea i've solved this problem you come back to it with a renewed energy to try and tackle it so it's just they're so simple and and free right but obvious yeah yeah so you 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 obviously have a really bright outlook on life you're very positive you're um go-getter you like to challenge yourself but you obviously you must come face to face with stresses with challenges that maybe don't feel like growth phases they feel more like they could knock you down and I wonder in those instances do you have a go-to to make you feel good like if if maybe work feels like you're just pushing water up a hill how do you maintain that positivity and that really fresh upbeat outlook it doesn't happen very often that I feel like I'm pushing water up a hill. Um, again, finding new ideas, which help me to think perhaps this water will get lighter 
you know, that water or the boulder. I sometimes do talk about the boulder that sometimes when you're building a new company, it is like you're pushing a rock up a hill. And if you stop, it's going to roll backwards and crush you. <laughs> and yeah. you'll, you'll roll it to a plateau and then it'll, you can push it along the plateau for maybe 20 minutes. And then suddenly you're going back up a hill again. So it's never really yeah. easy if you're trying to do something new or, or sort of carve a, an unwalked path, let's just say. Um, but I do, I, I pretty readily switch into positive mode, even if I'm having a struggle. I mean, if we talk about right now, right? Right now is super difficult in the footwear industry. I have a footwear business, Fitlaw, which has been, yeah. you know, running for, I'm going to now say 13 years, right? And we have distributors all over the world. We have retailers who buy and then sell our product. And we had all of our spring summer product come in which we now have, but all of our retailers have canceled their orders, right? So that's a lot of footwear. And people, mm-hmm. and it's actually really beautiful. We've had the, our best collection ever. So to make matters worse, okay, you can look at it as, well, this is really great. Sales were up 30% on last year. So of course we ordered more. Mm-hmm. And then all of our all of our retailers and distributors, of course, have canceled their orders because they're not open. So what do you do with all of these shoes? And when you have no cash flow, right? How do you pay your staff? It's a real stress. And I think I was incredibly stressed for the first week, two, and then you just realize that you've got to do something. Actually, it was probably more like three days. And then I realized, you know what? I don't have time to be stressed. I have to figure out what to do because what we have to do is you know, pay as many people as we can, try and take advantage of any government assistance that you can, you know, you look at all of the potential solutions. And again, those solutions, those ideas, every single one of them is hope. This might work. That might work. Okay. Let me think about something like this. We could try this, that, you know, and, and you eventually go through it. And I've actually said a couple of times to some people who are helping me and some friends who are advising because they've been through this, but with companies that they've helped in normal situations, not necessarily in a pandemic, um, that it is almost like having a crash course in how to do this. And while it's horrendous, the next time that something happens that is this difficult or this type of situation, hopefully it won't happen again, but I'll be prepared. At least I'll know which questions to ask and where to go and who to, you know, who to go to for help or loans or this or that, because I've you know never had to experience this before. And that's a skill, in fact. And so is it great to be able to add this new skill to my repertoire? I think it, it is. Is it ideal? I actually am loving the challenge of trying to solve this problem. Um, so I guess I just don't accept stress or that negative concept like this is bad i always try to flip it around and think what am i getting that's good out of this but it's a habit i love that yeah it is a habit i love that because because also yeah like everyone's going through something for the first time and as you say it'll never be this way again because you unless you decide not to learn from it and hopefully 
we'll decide to learn something from it. Yeah, we'll all be so much better prepared. And I think it's so hard and it's so hard, so much harder for so many people than for us. You know, we have roofs over our head, we can buy food, you know, we, we may cut down on our spending, but there's so many people that I know that really aren't suffering, but there are so many people who are, mm-hmm. you know, can't afford their rent, can't afford food for their kids. And you just think, well, I, I don't have any problems compared to some people. So I'm really grateful. Just you start to become more grateful for what, what you might not have noticed before. I mean, I've been loving not having to get on an airplane every four days, right? I bet, I bet. Yeah, just not having to pack a suitcase and rush through dinner and not talk to my kids because I have to make sure that I'm up at five o'clock because the flight's at 6.30 or whatever that is. It's a, it's actually been a wonderful time. And you could look at it as not, or you can look at all the gifts that come with that. And I think it wasn't Anderson Cooper, but Anderson Cooper repeated a quote from Stephen Colbert. Wasn't his quote either, which was that life is a gift but with it comes great suffering. And it's true. We're really lucky to be here, but boy, there are some tough times and you decide how you deal with them. I feel as though I've been really unfair in asking you to come up with a handful of feel-good habits because I just feel like you you embody a feel-good habit. You're just, just be close to you. You're like the, the battery. Be close to you and you'll never, you'll never be down. Well, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't accept a lot of, I think my mom probably taught me this. She, you know, she was um, an immigrant or her parents were immigrants from Poland. She had nine brothers and sisters. They lived on a farm in Canada and lived underneath an overturned boat. When they first lived there in the winter, it was, you know, freezing cold. And I remember when I would complain, if I would complain about something when I was younger and she would say, you know what? Stop it. Some people have no house. And it just, you know, I think when you get that, when you're very young, it's like, there is no feeling sorry for yourself. That is completely Mm -hmm. unacceptable. We are so lucky for everything that we've got. And even if something gets taken away, we've got all the other stuff, which becomes then more important. It it fills that void, right? So Mm -hmm. humans are adaptable. We can get through this. It's all just choosing to do it. Oh, this has been so lovely. What excellent, excellent feel-good habits and just how brilliant. To, you You are good energy, especially, I think, probably at any time, but it's lovely to, to speak to you today. Um, I am going to quickly ask you, because I know that obviously you've talked about the shoes, but uh, on the flip side, let's talk about something really lovely, beauty pie. Um is having quite the moment. My new love. Well, it's not my new love. I've been working on it for probably four or five years. But yes, it is having quite the moment. I think we, you know, we've always positioned um, Beauty Pie as a buyer's club for beauty addicts. It's always been about getting luxury products for a, a really great, you know, direct-to-consumer price. So without the middlemen and without the retailer markups. I think at the moment, why would anybody want to pay a retailer markup? But most brands are still out there at their retail prices. So the idea of being able to shop direct from all of the factories and the the labs and the chemists that make all of the great luxury beauty products in the world has really hit a nerve at the moment because people are receiving their beautiful little pink boxes of happiness and they're not costing much. And, you know, everybody, no matter how much money you've got, I'm sure right now is thinking, 
Ooh, how do I make this last longer? Because you don't feel quite as secure as you might have before. And um, yeah, we are, I have to say, we are booming. But, you know, it's one, and it's so lovely to see people wait for their box and receive that, you know, pink box. And there are all those beautiful things in, and you can treat yourself, and it doesn't cost you very much. It's kind of nice. I feel like Santa Claus. <laughs> It's so lovely because, as you say, even though it doesn't cost as much, the whole premise is, but it's still high-performance, high-quality products. Yeah. So it's really nice that people have had an opportunity, you know, if we're going to see something good, that people have had an opportunity to actually maybe consider it and take a, a closer look at it now. So I'm happy to hear that that's the yeah, case. <laughs> on, you know, on one side, at least, we're just, you know, rolling along. And we'll solve the other one. I'm, I'm, yeah, I have no doubt. Uh, it's not really have to not do. Um, these habits have been wonderful. Spending time with you has been absolutely incredible, Marcia. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Emma. I loved it.